Welcome back, everybody, to the Wannabe Jedi Podcast. My name is Josh. And I'm Matt. And today we're going to be talking about Sabine Wren and where she falls into the canon universe as well as any other media that she is shown in or portrayed in. So, Matt, do you want to start us off with where she appears in canon? I would love to. Um, so very off the very get-go, she appears in some of the comics today. She is currently in the Kanan series as well as the Star Wars Adventures series. There is where she's had her most appearances, and that's where a lot of the stuff that maybe you, the listener, haven't heard is from the, uh, the comics. And then we also see her where she's more commonly known in Star Wars Rebels, the TV show, um, where they brought... You know, the character of Sabine from, you know, the page to the screen. And we'll talk a little bit more about how she might be continuing on the screen in a little bit. But the very first thing that I have, and Josh, I don't know if you have, is actually her name, Sabine. Do you know anything about her name? I know from that series, they took a lot from, like, the Middle Eastern cultures, and they could talk about, like, Ezra, which I know means help in, like, Hebrew, or in, uh, I think it's also in Arabic as well, um, and then Canaan is, like, uh, Canaan, I think that's where it derives from, and then Hera as well, um, I think they're, all their names mean something, um, that is dear to the, the character, so Ezra is, like, he gives a lot of help, and then, like, Kanan is the, pretty much the chosen Jedi after, you know, the events of the fall of the Jedi Order. Um, I think I looked up, like, why they were named, or, yeah, what what was the reason behind it, and I couldn't find a clear explanation of it, but I know, like, they do have, you know, meanings behind those names and um, anything like that, so, yeah. But I'm not sure if that is correct, but um, I so know they... Go ahead. So you are correct. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, most of those are hope, help along those fronts. Um, But Sabine is actually referred to a really terrible time period uh, for Romans. It was one of like the very first parts of the founding of Rome. Um, And it's a reference to the Sabine women. It's a really tragic time where a lot of Roman men um, went to various villages and... um, I don't know how to say it, but they very terrible acts to these women. Um, And so I guess it's almost a reference to how Sabine was able to overcome all the tragedy that happened in her life and be the powerful woman that she was in Rebels. Um, So I think it speaks to that very heavily. Um, There's also been other stories within literature and films that portray the, uh, the Sabine women from Roman history. Um, but it's worth noting that this is one of the first times that Star Wars has referenced ancient history directly with a name association. Obviously, yeah. you know, Darth Vader and the Empire and Stormtroopers is almost a direct reference to um, Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. But this is a first time where a character has been named after a tragic series of events that happened in real history. That's interesting. I didn't. I actually didn't know a lot about Sabine, uh, Sabine's name, but I yeah. Most I knew about like is Kanan and Ezra. It's very clever, like on Dave Filoni's part and the uh, developers of Star Wars Rebels and the characters. Yeah, so it, it's obviously a tragedy, but I'm glad that you know 
Disney was able to make the history live on because I think it is important to remember history. Um, mm-hmm. So that it's one way that you can keep history going. So I think that that was very impactful. Um, yeah. But transitioning off of that to mm-hmm. a more happier note, um, we have some background information on where she was born because we figured that is relevant as well. So she is from the system Cronist or Cronist. Yeah. Cronist, Cronist, I think. Yeah, um, but apparently she was born on Mandalore initially. Um, she gotcha. was born in 21 BBY on Mandalore. So she is a by birthright Mandalorian, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting. I think this is one of the first times that we see a by birthright Mandalorian warrior, um, mm-hmm. a woman Mandalorian warrior. Um, and she was part of Clan Ren, obviously. Her last name is Ren. And then she was also affiliated with House Vizsla, which, if you guys have been paying attention out there, that is where Mando Din Djarin is from as well. So they have a unique connection with that. It makes sense with the Darksaber that we saw in Mandalorian as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, Pre Vizsla and everybody from the Clone Wars also was from that lineage, correct? Yes, yes. So this is all tying together the various Mandalorians that we've seen um, and typically underneath House of Vizsla. Mm-hmm. And I know she, in her, you know, before Star Wars Rebels, when it takes place, she was going to be a cadet for the uh, Empire, a pilot, I think as a pilot or some kind of cadet or in the Academy. Definitely. And she was in the Academy. Yeah. She actually crossed paths with Wedge Antilles, which, if mm-hmm. you guys heard from. Our second episode on Poe Dameron, I'm a big Wedge and Tilly's fan. So that's something, having not watched all of Rebels yet, um, mm-hmm. that was really interesting for me to see that there was a, there was some links between, you know, Rebels and, well, obviously there's links between Rebels and um, episode four, but to see Wedge and Tilly's and Sabine having interactions is pretty cool. Yeah, it was, I think it was in season two. I forgot what episode exactly, but yeah. So in the episode with Sabine and Wedge, so what Sabine does is goes, she infiltrates one of the uh, pilot academies for the Empire, and she meets up with Wedge and two other pilots that want to defect to the Rebellion. So it ends up that Sabine and the other ghost crew, eventually, uh, actually it's uh, Kanan and Ezra, they are with one of the uh, rebel cells, and they pick up Wedge and one of his other buddies, um, Hobby, so who were played vital roles in the rebellion uh, to overtake the Empire, right? Well, I mean, Hobby and Wedge were in the same uh, ship on Hoth, and so now you can kind of see that linkage about how they were connected starting out on Corellia um, with with what we see them in Rebels with Sabine. You know, one thing that I found really cool about Sabine that was different than a lot of characters was that she was basically a uh, explosive expert. Um, and that is, while we've seen a lot of the Rebels have different roles, her designated role was first and foremost was to handle the explosives. She had an extreme knowledge for the best way to set off the explosives to trigger certain events. And I think that that's very interesting that instead of being how we've seen most of the rebel characters where they're, you know, they're either pilots or they're, they're gunners. There's not like a big diversity within it. 
we see not only is Sabine um, a primary character, but she also is a explosive expert. And I think that that's really cool how they tie that in to, to her. And then you also see that explosive character in all the artwork that she does when she tags things, as, as they call it a lot of times. Um, mm-hmm. I think some of the best moments is when she tie-dye or tagged the uh, the TIE fighter. And it obviously it was a little ridiculous. And it was it's a kid's show, so it was meant to be fun. Um, but yeah. seeing how she, <laughs> she used that, um, you can see how she takes all elements of her lifestyle and makes it explosive, you know? Yeah, and she's just very artistic throughout the seasons from one to four of Rebels. She has like this different color scheme. And when she goes and infiltrates like the Empire Academy or the the Pilot Academy, she goes in and she actually dyes her hair black and actually, you know, plays to the role that she's trying to infiltrate. And even like her father, um, who they end up saving like uh, season four, they're both very artistic and very you know they critique each other and pretty much anytime Sabine like goes to any place she always likes to tag like what you're saying um just say a tie fighter or um her room whatever it is and it's pretty pretty unique to the show like you said it's it's definitely for kids but even like for us adults it's a it's a good twist and just keeps it lighthearted. it's a good way to expand the mandalorian you know arc i guess you can say yeah that's true. um that's not something that we see all the time it, it it's nice to see that star wars was expanding um and expanding their universe now if only we could get you know further expansion maybe we have a story about twi'leks you know yeah. something like that i i'd be very much for where it centers around twi'leks i'd be very much for it um but yeah so going back to mm-hmm. sabine i found it very nice that it was a different take on the Mandalorian storyline and about how Mandalorians might use, obviously she was still using weaponry, um, but she was using mm-hmm. it for good, um, similar to what Mando is doing. And I, and I like the fact that those two are kind of tied together um, via the dark saber, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. To talk how, about. Let me ask you this question. How do you feel about, you know, how Sabine takes like the helmet rule, like in Mandalorian, you know, Din Djarin never takes off his, his helmet in front of somebody who's alive. And in Rebels and and in Clone Wars also, these characters are like nonchalantly just taking off their uh, <laughs> taking off their helmets. I mean, is it is it just by clan? Like is it just uh yeah, is it just by clan? I think it's different in Sabine's case because where think about where we met Sabine. Mm-hmm was running on the streets that was being being destroyed by the Empire. The Empire is suffocating a lot of their resources. And so I think that they needed for her crew to trust her. I think that she needed to obviously have the mask for protection, but she could take it off so that way there was that display of trust. Versus Mando, we see, and we'll talk about this during the mando episode but we're not supposed to really trust mando for mm-hmm. fully and i think that that's where the strategic placement of keeping the helmet on versus taking the helmet off was gotcha. supposed to be sabine is a character we can trust versus mando is someone that is rough on the edges that we aren't sure if we can fully trust what is he going to do with baby yoda 
yeah. stuff like that. I mean, it's definitely a kid show versus more of an adult show. But even like I saw something like Clone Wars and Rebels, they're like definitely a little bit more, you know, PG thirteen than you know PG. But I don't know, like PG thirteen. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what? I don't know, Harley. <laughs> there's no, there's no swears. I know, I PG-13, know. PG thirteen, I think is but like swears. So Maul I think it's still is, PG. But Maul is in it, and I saw something with on like just say on the internet and it was you know pretty much saying how is this a how is these shows a kid show when maul is like threatening to take down just say any of the protagonists but i don't know um kids kids have grown up tremendously than when we were we were kids you know spongebob the protagonist could do no harm there was nothing (laughs) that was going to stop them I think it's a different time, so I think that this is still technically PG. I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify. I it mean, as PG-13. I think they just they figured it out with resistance, like we were talking in the Poe uh, episode, that they needed to have a little bit more of a kiddish, like younger age than what they they've been doing with Clone Wars and Rebels. I don't know. I I have no idea. I'm not you know I'm not on the the team at Lucasfilm to to do that. So I, I'm just I'm just curious. Is like you know I, what audience. Yeah, or what audience are they reaching out for? And I think that that's the difference between Clone Wars and Rebels. Mm-hmm. As we know, Clone Wars was abruptly ended due to Disney purchasing Lucasfilm. And so then they wanted to create their own show off of Rebels. And so they wanted to keep it Clone Wars-esque. Mm-hmm. So that way they could keep having that same dedicated audience. Which is why I think it's a little less kiddish. Versus Resistance, now you've at the point established that... This is the show for the future. As in, this is what are going to get the kids hooked to then watch Star Wars and talk about Star Wars like we are today. Yeah. Okay. I understand. And I think that that's a a huge part of why 7, 8, and 9 aren't necessarily the trilogy for me, but it's definitely the trilogy for the 6-year-old through 10-year-old out there. I got to imagine that they are like, holy cow, (laughs) like, this is is great, you know? Like, because... It hits home to them. It it hits their demographic mm-hmm. versus and, and same with resistance versus us, which we look more towards the past where that was when we were nostalgic. And I think that that's an important thing to note as to why um, we see the, the difference between the two set of uh, animation series. Yeah. OK, I, 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 I could see your point of view. From a certain point of view. Yeah, from a certain point yeah. of view. Uh, let me ask you this. From So in Star Wars Rebels, so they kind of link up Clone Wars to um, Rebels with Maul and pretty much his arc over that whole time period between the Clone Wars and then Episode 3 and then I guess also into Rebels and even, I guess it even bypasses a little bit of Solo. But, I mean, Solo had just a cameo, spoiler, a uh, cameo of Maul. But um, I'm just at, um, my question is, so what do you what do you think? Did they do a, a good job of that? I mean, with especially with the Darksaber and how uh, Sabine got to wield it and train with Kanan and Ezra um, to try to unite the clans of Mandalore. What's your question? So do you think they did a great job with linking the Mandalorian arc? Oh, yes. Yeah, I, th- I think that they did a pretty good job of it. Um, keep in mind, again, this writing was designed for to be on more of the kiddish side, but I think that they did tie in very nicely for the Mandalorian arc. 
And now, also, when you look ahead as to, you know, the Mandalorian, the series, and how that same saber Mm -hmm. is linked, I think that that is very interesting. Yeah. (laughs) She gave it to, because she didn't want to handle it anymore. She was, you know, trying to do her own thing. She's, she is very much of a person that wants to be alone she even Ezra was saying it in the one of the first couple episodes of of the season first season where you know Ezra's trying to get to know her and kind of interact and be friendly to her flirt but, with her um you're not <laughs> wrong you know what I, I was thinking about that were they were they trying to do like a little kind of flirtation with uh Ezra and Sabine but then they ended up being kind of like siblings at the end um, so I don't know what they were trying to do there from the beginning of the first season to the fourth season. I think, well, I mean, Star Wars has a history of that. Let's be real. <laughs> um, but yeah, she really wanted to be alone. She had, she, she had a, uh, dark past. She didn't want to talk about that. She's very introverted. Um, you know, I don't think that that was their full intention. I think it was supposed to be like those quick remarks back and forth to one another, similar to kind of how, we discussed with Ventress and Obi-Wan how they had those quick remarks of being, well, they were nemesis, not nemesis, but mm-hmm. they were rivals. Um, and I think that this was more of a brother-sister quick remark was what it was designed to be. But there were certain moments that definitely did come off yeah. a little flirtatious in my eyes, or I viewed it at least as flirtatious, and maybe maybe that was improper. It, I, I, I agree with you, too. I mean, I thought Ezra was trying to, you know, to flirt with Sabine, but Sabine wasn't having it at all. She's like, you're reading too much into it, kid. <laughs> definitely like an older sister. Well, so. well we were definitely reading too yeah. much into it too, then, <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, we will continue this great discussion of Sabine after this short break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wannabe Jedi Podcast, and we're still continuing talking about Sabine Wren. And we talked a little bit about, you know, her um, portrayal in Star Wars Rebels and a little bit about the meaning of her name. And now I want to talk a little bit about, you know, her arcs within Star Wars Rebels, so the the show where she's prominently portrayed in and, um, you know, what role she played in it. So she was known as Spectre 5, and she... When she was part of the the ghost family, and when it came to you know doing missions, she'd be sent on missions with Ezra or Kanan or anybody like that, and um, she was pretty much I gotta say she was a pretty much a background character within you know the whole arc. I think it was definitely focused. I wouldn't say background character. I'd say supporting character. Okay, I, okay, I'll, so, supporting character. Yeah, she was definitely a supporting character. Like, she would only have, like, a couple stories here and there. Even, like, Zeb and Hera, they didn't have many arcs. It was definitely where Ezra and Kanan were the main focus. So, talking about her arcs, the only prominent one that really we see is that she goes home and she has to, you know, show her family that she's committed to them again and she wants to make up with them and tries to do right with her name and, um, you know, doing right with her clan. So... I thought that was interesting. You know, she went back and her family was, wasn't accept, accepting to her when she, uh, she came back. But in the end, she took home the, the dark saber and was able to 
beat the empire um whatever the the there was one leader of the empire uh mandalorian sector that she ended up doing in uh dueling combat and ended up overtaking him so i think with that kind of gained respect in the mandalorian uh culture so definitely the mandalorian creed so it was pretty cool matt did you end up seeing that or no uh, no, I didn't get that far into the uh, the show. Like I said, I was mainly only on like the first few episodes mm-hmm. of season two. Um, so I'm very you're spoiling uh, <laughs> everything for me. But I guess I deserve it's, it for not for not doing this ahead of time. A little bit. Um, yeah, I I just am getting around on the Disney Plus train, especially mm-hmm. with you know being on uh, quarantine. I'm not actually quarantined, but like we're at a we must stay home. Um, here in Chicago, and so <laughs> it, I have time on my hands, so maybe I should yeah, catch it, up on this. But for me, I don't know. I, I think I'll have to see mm-hmm. how Dave Filoni did this. Obviously, with seeing everything that Dave Filoni's done up to this point, I do like that. I do like that he ties in the Mandalorian history, especially with how much we see mm-hmm. it in Clone Wars, um, and to see how it evolved from Clone Wars from the time before the empire to with the empire yeah and i think we're going to see that with the new season of clone wars as well because that the soka mandalorian arc and um maul arc like it's definitely gonna have to foreshadow some stuff within even though we've already seen it in rebels within with the new season yeah i agree and then if we look even farther about how this how she ties into the whole mandalorian arc we hear about in the Mandalorian, how, you know, there was a huge war, um, mm-hmm. the Great Purge on Mandalore. And so we see how the peacefulness, how, how it was peaceful and how it shifted back to the old ways and then shifted to almost yeah. extinction. So I think that we are, what we're seeing with this phase of Star mm-hmm. Wars is the shift of the Mandalorian which I personally like Mandalorians. I do like bounty hunters, even though I harp saying that not every person needs to be a a Mm -hmm. bounty hunter. I do like (laughs) Mandalorians. I do like the bounty hunter kind of aspect of them. So it it is kind of cool to see how they're fleshing out this arc. And I hope that they continue to do that, maybe with some characters from um, Rebels Mm -hmm. as well. I I think it'll be interesting to see if they can can flesh out different species and characters off of them. To continue with the Sabine arc. So definitely that arc was one of them. Maybe I was thinking about it. The other arc would be the reason why she left home, the one where she goes back and she tries to destroy the technology she made for the Empire. So the technology she made was to pretty much cling on to any um, armor, like Beskar armor from like any Mandalorian would wear. So just in case if they would rebel or they would... um, defect from the empire there would be a fail safe to um pretty much cling on to armor and you know paralyze them um at least that's what that's what happened in rebels so it's ended up where sabine changed it to go against not um the the beskar armor but actually the empire uh stormtrooper armor so pretty much they were being all shocked and Sabine had a choice to make either to, you know, keep them um, in fear and uh, paralyzed with this technology she made, or she can let them go and they can, you know, they learn their lessons. So pretty much she ended up, you know, 
doing what a good person, a pro- protagonist would do to, she would, she let them go and, um, you know, they tried, to, she tried to bring him back to the light. But I think, I thought it was pretty interesting. Lame. Huh? <laughs> Lame. <laughs> we want to see bad. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, she, did, I think just from that episode, she, you know, it went into her past, which I'm glad it did because, you know, we've, we were from season one to season two, even to season three, we're like wondering what, when is we, when are we going to learn what happened to Sabine and her, her family? We got some of that in season three, but even in season four, we're like, what was she so afraid of? Why did she run away from home? And it was her creating this new technology for the empire, which was, you know, it just showed how brilliant she was and, you know, a great technician a great uh, engineer she definitely led the way with some advancements especially for the rebellion so not only with the technology she's done but even her art as well she pretty much developed the phoenix um the rebellion phoenix uh logo so which was pretty cool yeah yeah the only thing that i don't like is Obviously, she was a brilliant mm-hmm. a mind, but I don't think that she had a lot of character development. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it- no, I agree with you because only two arcs in the whole season. I mean, definitely they they got what I guess you know, like you said, a supporting character. Um, they definitely got what you know they had to do for a supporting character, but you know they could have expanded on it. And maybe with the new show, it rumored, um, it will uh, ex- expand on it more. I don't know. What do you think? And, well, that's a perfect segue to talk about this new show. Um, we don't have a lot of information on it, but we can always, you know, this is kind of the perks yeah. about being <laughs> podcasters, is we can come up with our own stuff for it. So um, so to start out, we know that it's rumored that Sabine and Ahsoka are looking for Ezra, correct? So that was the whole thing at the end of season four. Ezra sacrificed himself to stop Emerald Thrawn from taking over the galaxy. Thrawn being the antagonist for seasons three and four. Thrawn was the mastermind um, behind the Empire going after the rebels. So he could even be categorized up there with uh, Grand Moff Tarkin or Admiral Yaloran, Darth Vader, or even the Emperor himself. (laughs) Don't disrespect my Tarkin. By putting yeah i'm not i'm not disrespecting <laughs> the Tarkin was definitely above Thra- uh thrawn but um i mean he was definitely thrawn was a mastermind he they pulled him technically after you know disney acquired uh star wars they he was technically not in canon he was he was in the expanding universe and then they brought him back in in star wars rebel so i'm glad they did that but let's go back to so pretty much what happened was um at the end uh, these, I forgot what the name of the creatures are, but they're like squid-like creatures that can travel in hyperspace. And what it, they do is they, so they clinged around Thrawn and Ezra was trying to, um, you know, make sure Thrawn would not ever survive from this battle. And they ended up going with, with these creatures. They used, they would take them into hyperspace and go into the the unknown regions of the galaxy. So that's the whole premise of the new show is that uh, Ahsoka and Sabine end up, you know, they're trying to find Ezra because that's what the whole thing 
was uh, at the end. Ezra says to Ahsoka, find me after this is all over. And so I think she, uh, Ahsoka wants to live up to it. And Sabine was, you know, like a sister figure to him. And uh, they, they try, they're trying to find him. I think that kind of makes sense why they have these two together. Mm-hmm. When you look at it, Sabine obviously spent a lot of time with Ezra, so she knows his habits and what he's likely to do. And they also have the force aspect with Ahsoka and, you know, the idea of Ahsoka wanting to kind of pass down um, her knowledge to Ezra in terms of the use of the force. Um, So I I find that interesting. It depends to me on how they execute. um, And if they execute, I guess we could say, because it is theory right now, it's not... It has not been confirmed, but who knows? Maybe by this time it will be. Yeah. Uh, by the time you're listening to it, I mean, there. um, or sorry, I. But I so I read oh, an article saying that it was supposed to be uh, debuted in this fall, I think, in the in the fall, but with probably Star at Star Wars Celebration, I'd imagine. Yeah, but there's nothing that you know. Of course, with everything going on right now, I think it'd probably be pushed back, um, but. I mean, reading Dave Filoni's like uh, tweet, I know I was watching, uh, you know, a YouTuber and they were saying like, oh, he he said this wasn't like a release for it on his tweet with um, the Ahsoka and Sabine picture. But definitely, definitely, you know, those tweets from the people at Star Wars, they kind of they mean something. They mean cryptic. something. So, yeah, yeah, it's cryptic. We'll We'll have to keep a close eye on it. And uh, who knows, maybe because my theory and your theory Mm -hmm. seem pretty, pretty accurate. Hopefully, hopefully it comes true. The only thing is I want to see new places. Yeah, I want to see some new characters, too. I don't want to see as much as seeing Lando in the first season. I think it was Mm -hmm. was kind of interesting. I would have preferred if there wasn't necessarily an association until we saw Lando on the screen. Um, I think that between the rebel rebels and Lando is what, what I mean. So I hope that they don't bring in characters that we've mm-hmm. already seen on the screen and has, as I've said before, make this huge galaxy feel tiny. Yeah, I mean, with the new show, if they're if Ezra got taken to the um unknown regions of the galaxy, definitely they'll have new worlds for us to know. And um, they're going to portray it and everything like that because I mean I don't I don't know who their antagonist would be like I know we were talking about that with like the Obi Wan TV show um, I don't know who they would be fighting other than maybe Thrawn is like an older Thrawn trying to get back into but it, it, I don't know again it's it's something that they're going to have to develop uh, they're going to have to use their imaginations and different creative ideas. Um, to make this show happen. I, I I would love for it to happen. I feel like it has to be a force user. There has to be some unknown force user out there that is causing mm-hmm. this different, you know, this chain of events. Um, do they Have they released when uh, this show takes place? It should be right after... Okay, so let me... This is what I want to talk about. So at the end of... Season four, the last season of Star Wars Rebels. Sabine, the voice actor of Sabine, or and Sabine, pretty much outros the whole series with a uh, explanation of what happened after the events of of 
Star Wars Rebels. So pretty much yep. she talks about Yavin. She talks about, um, you know, Endor. She talks about uh, Hera and Kanan's son. And she ends up talking about at the end, uh, meeting up with Ahsoka and, you know, taking off her helmet. And she has like this shorter hair and everything like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, it should be right after um, the Battle of Endor. I'm thinking around there, maybe even the, closer to the Battle of Jakku, like after the Empire. No, it would definitely be after the. So, this show would happen after the events of the Fall of the Empire at the Battle of Jakku. So. Definitely, I think it's that. I don't think it's after Star Wars Resistance or um, ep- or the sequel trilogy. So then are we saying that it's in the same time frame as The Mandalorian? Yes, 100%. Hmm. Do you think there's a chance mm-hmm. that there could be a cross event? Because obviously it's now been confirmed that you have Ahsoka appearing in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. That was confirmed... That would be awesome if they had Sabine and Ahsoka in the new Mandalorian show. And that could be just the simple call out where, oh, we're you have a Force user. We're looking for a Force user. He's obviously in the outskirts. Now, I know I, <laughs> I, I, I know Yoda talked about... Use the Force to find Ezra. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I, I just put us down this rabbit hole, and I'm sorry for this. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I want this it could make a little bit of sense. And yeah. I I am biting my tongue saying that because of how I want a bigger, larger universe, but it kind of makes sense. I know. Well, I mean, let's just talk about it for a second because Dave Filoni is going to be behind the new, the new show if it's going to happen with Sabine and Ahsoka. But Jon Favreau is behind The Mandalorian. So I know that, that Dave Filoni has done a cameo in the new show, and written an episode for it, but Dave Filoni was is the the leader of pretty much all the the cartoon uh, shows. So I mean, I I hope there's some kind of connection that they can and mutual agreement between the two directors that they can you know find something to connect them and to you know make it fulfilling. I guess, but I don't know. It depends how they do it, because I don't necessarily i'd rather have them cross paths and either join forces i think that would be really interesting if they Mm -hmm. wrap up sabine ahsoka and mando and now they have their new crew that would be interesting if they could find a way i actually i think this is gonna be this is the official wannabe jedi podcast theory is that in season two of mandalorian we are going to see Sabine. We are going to yeah. see Ahsoka. First off, we're going to see them in live action, which is pretty exciting. I know that that's been, you know, one for a while. Yeah. But we're also going to see Mando. And I think those three, although Ahsoka could have her own TV show. Yeah. So I don't know if they'll necessarily do it. Mm-hmm. But I think that you'll see them have an arc for multiple episodes, at least. Especially uh, with the, the it, Darksaber being uh, held by uh, Moff Gideon. Grand Moff Gideon. Grand, Don't demote him to okay. just regular Moff. <laughs> Sorry. Grand Moff Gideon. Um, but I, I think that we will see at least three episodes. I will this I'm locking in three episodes of a crossover event almost. Um and so that means we get to see the only thing is if Ahsoka obviously we know Ahsoka's gonna meet Baby Yoda. 
So how is she just going to leave them? Yeah. And how is she going to ignore that? Because definitely that represents and is from the same species as Grandmaster Yoda. So how is she going to... What she? What's gonna happen? We should stop talking about this because this isn't even the right character. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> this is a good rant. It is a good rant, but I think that we will see. I I don't know if we necessarily need a full series mm-hmm. right away. I would rather see the crossover and see that they are searching. Keep us, give us little tiny bits. Yeah, Disney, if you're out there, Star Wars, if you're out there listening, give us tiny bits. Don't fill in a full storyline. Let us also have that imagination about what Sabine and Ahsoka did on their search for Ezra. If they find Ezra, is he still the same person? What if Ezra? Ca- what if Ezra's gonna be in eventually the Mandalorian? Dude, we <laughs> we need to not go down this. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but it, it's a good question. I love it. It's a good question. It is a good question. I I I hope we see that three episode crossover. If this turns into a bigger thing, where they're connect the only thing is i can't imagine that it's underneath the mandalorian title yeah it, it, that just being the series title because the, it is so many more larger characters involved you know what I, you so, know what i'm gonna think they're gonna probably team up the mandalorian with ahsoka and sabine for one or two episodes that's what i think just because they do want to keep them separate like you said um but yeah i just I couldn't see because there's there's only you know eight episodes at least in the first season. They might make more for season two, but I couldn't see them devoting three episodes to a to a uh, Ahsoka, Sabine, and Mando arc. But I don't know. Again, there. I I would like to see it, but I just don't think they want to commit it because I do want to keep them separate. I would want to see it, pending they do it right. Yes. <laughs> I that, that is uh, if they tie it in properly where it makes sense maybe they maybe it's an episode where baby Yoda gets taken again somehow mm-hmm. and it turns out that Ezra might be on this in this prison with them and so it's controlled by Moff Gideon Grand Moff Gideon they could tie it in where Sabine is obviously the explosive master and so she is sent in with Ahsoka and Mando to raid the facility in hopes of retrieving Baby Yoda and Ezra. Turns out it's only Baby Yoda, then they leave. I think that's a cool way to tie it in, yeah. but also keep them separate. They have a mutual goal, and that's what that what that's what keeps them together. Brings them together. That ep- those couple episodes, and then they head out. It's not that it's it's not like Lando is their supplier for certain things. Yeah, you know it, it's something where they meet accidentally, realize that they have a common goal, achieve common goal, leave. Do you think Sabine and do you think Sabine and Ahsoka will meet up with Hera in that show in the in the the rumored show with Hera's kid? Yeah, I don't think so. No. No, I, I don't see that simply because why wouldn't Hera be helping? Obviously, she has to raise a kid. Yeah. But as we're, as we're seeing with Mando, as we've talked about Mando quite a lot, mm-hmm. um, Mando has a kid living with him on a ship. So that's true. I, I, I don't think that they can. I think it's just a, I'm done searching. I mm-hmm. am devastated by the loss of Kanan. I think that Hera does not interact with Sabine again. 
Okay. I, I, okay. I can see that. I mean, in the end, I do want to add that um, when they were talking about like the Battle of Endor, they do say that Captain Rex, I, I don't know if you're familiar with this, like mm-hmm. if you go and rewatch Return of the Jedi on Endor, there's one scene with a guy with a gray or a gray white beard, um, and they made a cadden that that is uh, Captain Rex. So don't yeah. love that, but that's that we can say that for Captain Rex. Episode, yeah, no, no, no. But... I'm just saying like they. I think they. They stated it that way that you know Hera and Captain Rex were a part of the rebellion because they did want to make it separate and they want uh, Sabine and Ahsoka to be on their own. So okay, I do agree. I do agree with you with that. Looking back at um, how they ended Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, yeah, totally. Now I know that we got off way off track, so we're gonna spin it back real fast with mm-hmm. a couple of quick facts for you. And then we'll we'll close out this episode. Yep. So my quick fact for you guys is I did not know this, but in the comics, because I doing the research, Jin Erso from Rogue One and Sabine have interactions together. And actually, Sabine was supposed to be in Rogue One as a companion to Jin Erso before she was like the turned into the being arrested and kind of a wanted felon. Mm, I did not know that. Yep, originally Sabine under Rhea Tala, her alias, was supposed to be a rebel pilot, was supposed to be a companion of Jin Erso in Rogue One. I would have liked if that happened, but... Um, I, I think I there was conflict. So. I think there was conflict between um, her being a part of Rebels and also mm-hmm. being a part of Rogue One. Um, I think they would have had to be where she just joined in for Rogue One, but that would also close out her arc. And so I think yeah. that they wanted the opportunity to expand on the arc. Um, I think that this was in the works before Rogue One even came out, or uh, during Rogue One's production, but they're like, we can probably do something with Sabine. Mm-hmm. And so then they switched gears and moved her away from the Rebellion at that point. Gotcha. My quick fun fact is that um, she was wearing like the Beskar armor as well as when she was training with the dark saber, she had a little gift from a fellow Mandalorian of these little Mandalorian braces. And it had like a kind of, it kind of like a, a whip slash grapple. Um, and, and also mm-hmm. she had like a sonic boom kind of, uh, it would set off a sonic pulse to set people back. And then I think there was another thing with like a net. So, and she ended up getting also a jetpack at the end as well of, I think in this, in season four. So she was definitely equipped with the standard Mandalorian attire. Yeah. And I think that that's a cool kind of way to, what we thought close off her arc was that she really embraced her Mandalorian past and wanted to help shape. The mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely uh, a great character who contributed a lot to the her rebel cell as well as to the whole rebellion um and then you know towards the end of rebel the season of rebels um to i did want to add on one thing with that you said about her and sabine and Jin urso teaming up so in the forces of destiny um that disney like these little short clips that they send out for kids um, it does show mm-hmm. Sabine and Jin actually working together. So I thought once you just said that, I did remember that that did happen. So I would give that a watch, Matt, if you haven't seen it already. I'll have to check it out. Um, other than that, I think we've pretty much wrapped up Sabine. Would you say so? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably forgetting something, but I think we've uh, we've done a good job of explaining, you know, her as a character and especially the future of the character as well. <laughs> yes, very true. Very true. We definitely fleshed out that. And if you listener out there, you know, want to tweet at us something that we missed, um, our Twitter is wannabe Jedi cast. That is wannabe Jedi cast. You can send us a tweet with how you felt we did about this podcast. And also, you know, if we miss something, tell us. Um, yes, please tell us. Yes, please tell us. And Speaking of please tell us, please tell your friends about us. If you know a Star Wars lover in your life that hasn't already heard of this show, you should tell them about it and say, hey, there's this really cool show by really two cool guys and they talk about cool Star Wars things. (laughs) Seems pretty cool to me, right? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So tell them about us and then also make sure to give us a review. That helps boost our position in Apple specifically. Um, and that will allow more people to become a part of this podcast and we can kind of, you know, create a nice little community off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then next week, Josh, who are we discussing? So next week we are discussing Cal Kestis from the video game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. (laughs) I'm, I'm super excited. Cal... I, I have some fun stories about Cal that I will save for next week. How's that sound? Yeah, and we I mean we definitely could talk about, you know, the future of Cal, but definitely I did complete and a hundred percent that game. So it's it was fun. It was a great game. I did in anticipation of recording the episode. Um and I gotta say, yeah, I like Cal. I like Cal. Cal's good. Cal's, Cal's good. good. Well we'll talk so, about it next week. <laughs> yes. Take care everyone. Take care. May the force be with you all.